Today's episode of the Rider Flex podcast is sponsored by our friends at Truman's, a company that's taking the clutter out of cleaning. Seriously, have you ever noticed the hundreds of single-use cleaning bottles filled with toxic ingredients at the store? Well, Truman's is fixing all of that with a lineup of non-toxic cleaners and refill cartridges. Check them out at Truman's.com. And on today's episode of the Radiflex podcast, we have guest Trisha Halsey. She is the co-founder and executive director of the Big Idea Project. And she's the founder of Generous Leadership Challenge based in Colorado. All right, here we, here we go. You're not nervous, are you? <laughs> um, I was low energy, so I had to get coffee, which is contributing to my overheating right now, but I'm good. I'm <laughs> I don't no, think I'm nervous. No problem. Trisha Halsley on the Rider Flex podcast. How you doing, Trisha? I'm doing great. It's good to be with you, Steve. Oh, I'm I'm so happy to have you here. I appreciate our good friend Lori Jones and her team over at Avocet Communications introducing us. That was nice of them. Yes. Yeah, they're a wonderful team over there. I love Lori. She's been on my podcast. I think you were on her podcast. Has she been on your podcast? I don't know. There's a lot. <laughs> She's been on my podcast. Yeah. Very <laughs> it seems good. kind of incestuous. I guess everyone's moving around to podcasts. So. Uh, it's, <laughs> Lori's great. great. It's great. Yeah. I appreciate them introducing us. So are you uh, in uh, South Denver today? I am. I'm in South Little, Denver. Mm-hmm. Littleton area? Uh-huh. Very good. Littleton. Okay. So before we get into Generous Leadership Challenge and your career, let's talk about Trisha and her you know, who she is as a person, some stuff about your, your personal life, you know, where you grew up, some family things, you know, where you went to school, all the, all the parties you went to at Pepperdine, you know, all the good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, sure. So I grew up in Seattle area, Washington, um, outside of Seattle. Okay. And um, as soon as I could, I'm an only child. As soon as I could, I left the house and headed to Southern California for college at Pepperdine. All throughout growing up, I was a swimmer. That was probably my main identity. I was a USS swimmer and um, that's all I did. So um, in high school, I would swim three practices a day, one in the morning and then two in the evenings plus a dry land. So that just gives you an idea. Dry land is like weights. Oh, I I see. I was just about to ask you. I don't know what that means. So (laughs) so did you go to Pepperdine on a swimming scholarship? I did. Nice. Yeah. But I stopped after my first year because I decided to graduate early and you can't go three years of college and be an athlete at the same time. So unfortunately I didn't get to reap <laughs> the, the rewards of a scholarship, but yeah. Now, now why did you want to do that? Why graduate early? What was the strategy there? Well, first of all, Pepperdine is crazy expensive. And oh, now oh. <laughs> I gotcha. think it's like now 20 years later, it's, it's so expensive. Um, so that brought the cost down. I see. Um, but I just wanted to get going. I wanted to get out into the world and, um, and start my work. I didn't know what it was going to be, but I knew I needed to go. <laughs> <laughs> now, now what, so tell us about your parents. What, what'd your folks do? Do you have any siblings? I don't, I'm an only child. Okay. 
and my parents are both well they just moved to they just retired so they moved out of washington but they are both microbiologists by trade whoa so okay. grew up with scientists and i went and majored in english um i was a little rebel i hated science um so <laughs> so i can just see it in high school and your dad's or did they try to kind of push you to, to maybe major in something you know in college that related to what they did for a living or no there was no no push I don't think they pushed, no, but no. they, my dad always told me you could be anything you want to be. Um, oh, but, that's cool. Uh, I do. Yeah. I do think he was pushing me to figure it out though. And that took me a really long time. I remember he took me to a college fair when I was in the seventh grade and I had to walk around. I was by far the youngest person there. And I'm like, what am I doing? And I think since I can remember, he was telling me I have to go to Annapolis or West Point. That was like his favorite. Those were his picks, you know? And I'm like, wow. no, I'm not going there. <laughs> so I don't know if it was to be a scientist more than I'm going to figure out your path and I'm going to push you on it. So I had to find my own way for sure. Where did he go to school? Um, I think he went to UC Davis. He was in the army too during the Vietnam War. Uh, all there, I was trying to figure out the tie in there on why he might want you to go to West Point. Okay, gotcha. All right, I can see. Now it all ties together there. So was he the tough one in the uh, tough one on you and your mom was a little more uh, passionate uh -huh. and caring. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> your dad's going to listen. Your dad's going to listen to this, right? <laughs> I would say that I don't know if neither of either of them are passionate people. They kind of just go, you know, they're just even keel, but my dad was the tougher one and my mom was the nurturing one. And she gotcha. was the one who would schlep me to all of the practices. So when you so. didn't, so when you, so when you didn't win a swim meet in high school and you came in like third, what happened when you came over to the side and your, your dad was there, would he, would he be like, just kind of not, 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 not hug you, not saying like, what would he do? I'm just curious. He was, he wasn't hard on me like that, but do you want to know a funny story? Okay. He was a, um, a judge. Uh, I forget what they're called. Um, like a DQ, um, disqualification oh, judge who okay. would walk the sides okay. during all the, right. they all wear, they wear all white. So you know who they are. And my dad is six, seven and just a big guy. <laughs> People used to think he looked like Hulk Hogan. He had like the mustache with the, you know, the thing at the bottom of the chin, but, um, he wow. was called the Terminator <laughs> and <laughs> people were afraid when he was there. Cause he would DQ them. Yeah. Disqualify oh, them. So uh, it wasn't too hard on me. <laughs> Now I'm having a now I'm having a vision of the first young man that came to your house to to take you out on a date and he had to meet your dad. He's like six seven, like oh my dad, my your dad's gonna kill me. Yes. Yeah, so coming out of it was actually just a friend. He wasn't a boyfriend, but coming out of the house, he he shook his hand and he he couldn't um, stop looking at his arm. And he told me that after he we walked out, he's like, I can't stop looking at your dad's arms. They're bigger than my legs. <laughs> he, he loved to good. stare. Wow, that's pretty good. Oh, that's pretty good. I appreciate you sharing that with me. Okay, so you said you majored in English? Yes, I did. Okay, and so when you were a senior, well, I guess in your third year, you're getting ready to graduate. Didn't know? You're still like, man, what am I going to do? <laughs> At the time, I thought I was going to be an English teacher in inner city Los Angeles, and I was going to go get a motorcycle, and I was going to be able to like get through the traffic to get to Compton or wherever I was going to work, and they called me Michelle Pfeiffer. Because that was the time do, of dangerous you do, mind. You, you, there, there is a resemblance. Yeah. Now that you mention it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was my intent. Um, not to be Michelle Pfeiffer, but to teach yeah. high school. Cool. And yeah. And it didn't work out. I actually had a, a pretty crummy um, education teacher towards the end of my wow. college. And I didn't, I was like, I don't want this anymore. So 
but that was, that was what I was known for. And then I just, I graduated. I didn't know what I was going to do. So I went into youth work for a little bit and okay. hung out with kids and invested in them before I got married and came out to Colorado. Okay. How'd you meet your husband? Well, my husband was in Los Angeles as a football coach for UCLA. So he had just moved up from San Diego and was the GA, the graduate assistant for the defense. So he was, I think he worked with the linebackers at UCLA okay. and okay. we had a mutual friend. My roommate was his friend and, oh, and I was so gonna, she's like, you oh. need to beat this guy. And now, see, you just run that for you. You just run that for me. I was thinking he was on the sidelines and you were in the stands and he was like, oh, my God, I got to find out who she is. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Thousands of people. No, but okay. he did. He did pursue me and he wooed me within five months. And I don't think that man got more than three hours of sleep a night because he would work, you know, 15, 14 hour days, just really long days. And he'd come over and we'd hang out for three hours. He'd go nice. home and sleep for three hours. So. Nice. Nice. Um, that, that's good. Yeah. That's a good story. How about kids? So kids? We have two children. We have two boys, um, Noah, who is 11 and Micah is nine. Ooh, you, you're like, you're like right there before the puberty starts. So, right. You're like, I'm preteen. Yes. Ooh, yes. Ooh, ooh, ooh. You don't have much time left. <laughs> oh, shh. <laughs> I know he's already showing yeah. signs. Yeah. We've, we've been prepping and we've actually been quite afraid of teen years. And so for the last four years, we've been telling him, promise us that you won't get too moody and we're going to have all the food that you want, but make sure that you tell us when you have emotional issues. And so we've been prepping him for four years. And I think he's, he's a little bit more, um, uh, vulnerable with us than maybe if we hadn't been doing that. So I'm hoping okay. it goes okay, no. but it's, at least he doesn't jump off roofs or do really impulsive things that some other boys do. So we'll see. He, I'll let he, you know. Is he, is he rolling his eyes or anything yet? Is he kind of like, Oh God, you guys. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. it, it helps that your, your, it helps that your husband's like a, a huge physical, uh, you know, dominating kind of presence, right? So, <laughs> he's like six, My seven. So. That's my dad. My dad. Oh, that's seven. right. That, that's right. Sorry. 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 <laughs> Yeah. My husband's Mark. actually quite small for a football coach. Uh, he was a quarterback and then um, oh. at UCLA. And then when we moved out to Colorado, he was a football coach at Columbine High School. So that's how you got here. That's how you got that's here. Right. Ah, gotcha. Okay. All right. And is that what he does now? Still coaching? No, he quit coaching um, when I started Big Idea Project, the first organization about seven years ago. Um, he kept coaching for a couple of years and realized I needed a lot of help. So he quit to kind of open up his time to be, he calls himself soccer dad. So when he's not teaching, he's picking the kids up and he's taking them to places. And um, so it frees me up to be who I need to be. Well, that's a perfect, that's a perfect segue right there into your career. So, okay. All right. So you come to Colorado because he gets the coaching job and walk us into your career and how that kind of flows into Big Idea Project and Generous Leadership Challenge. Go ahead. Oh, that's a big question. I'm going to. Yeah, I know. Yeah, give us a career overview. Yes, yes. So he got the job at Columbine. I entered um, graduate school for leadership and um, was there for a couple years. And he was teaching also at Columbine, not just coaching. He taught okay. in the, and still does teach in the business and leadership department. 
Okay. And after a couple of years, um, this is kind of, I'm going to intertwine big ideas, Genesis with me, but after a couple of years, he realized business isn't leadership. And I told him <laughs> business is not leadership. Um, you need to teach your kids leadership. They can learn marketing all day. They can learn how to, um, these different business, he had like entrepreneurialism and all of these, but he didn't have leadership. And he went to the district, which is one of the largest districts at the time. And, and said, can I teach leadership? And they said, sure, we don't have a leadership curriculum. No one's ever taught leadership. And so I took what I had been learning in my master's program in leadership. And we created the, the seed of what was big idea project and that what is big idea. And that lived in his class for six years. And so he was kind of the Wow. He was just watering that seed. And wow. I mean, literally he had a piece of paper that was his whole curriculum. I mean, it was just, have you seen that movie? Um, <laughs> oh, uh, pay it forward. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. That's what he would do. He would stand in front of the class and he would say, I want you guys to go impact a life and then tell me how you did it, go solve a problem. And then let's report out and see your results. And so that kind of started like that. And nice. as he was doing that, um, I went and worked in international. I was a program director and an executive, uh, not, um, what is the word deputy director? So second to the executive director in an international nonprofit working with indigenous staff in five different countries. Then from there, I went to, um, a COO for a startup who did consulting and, um, mentoring within companies. So how to use mentoring to cross differences, gender, global, and, um, what was the other one? Generational. And then from there, I went to another COO for another startup that did curriculum design and delivery. You'll see a pattern here. I was kind of the one who would take their ideas and make them um, actionable, put them into. But then I realized I wasn't a COO. I wanted to start my own thing. And it was at that time that the demand was bubbling up for Big Idea Project from teachers in the community. And I said, I need to start something that I can lead. And it was such an obvious, it was just, I just fell into it. Um, mm -hmm, and we, mm -hmm. we started the nonprofit, which has been around for seven years as a nonprofit and 12 years um, as that class. Wow, congratulations. I see how it all ties together. How, how many employees at Big Idea Project now? We are very small. We have four employees, but we have about 250 mentors. Um, we have, we do a lot of contractors, school coordinators hit the schools, probably about 15 school coordinators. Okay. Um, lots of stakeholders involved in big idea. And this little team runs this massive ecosystem that's getting into five districts across the front range in Colorado. You know, I just can't believe, I never thought about it, but you're right. Going through high school and college, I never took a quote leadership class. <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of knew that I was a leader just because I it just naturally happened, right? Whether it was captain of the intramural sports team or I was in, I was like an RA in college, and you know, just it just happened. Uh, I, there was no class. There wasn't a class. <laughs> I, I probably would, I probably would have been a heck of a lot better leader if there were a class, you know, back then. But uh, yeah, there wasn't. I think so. a I think a lot of MBA students would be a heck of better leaders too if there was leadership yes. in their programs as well, because it's not generally in business programs. It's starting to, some of the business programs are really focusing, but they might just put one class in the entire MBA mm. program. Mm. So. That is, that's interesting that you guys got that going there and that there wasn't, okay, wow. All right, so from there, then talk to us about generous leadership challenge. Give us, give us the elevator 
you know, the elevator pitch real, real quick on it. Go ahead. Oh gosh. Um, you're, so you're on, you're, no pressure or anything, but you get here, you do the elevator pitch. <laughs> well, can I, uh, first I'm going to uh, give a little bit of context. Generous leadership was the concept and it's, we own the IP and the trademark to generous leadership. Nice. And that nice. has been owned for seven years since we started big idea project and big idea has been in schools teaching this um, framework that I created, but generous leadership challenge didn't start until COVID-19 came because it was because of a solution that came um, that we created in the schools. I had people saying, you must launch this to the nation. You must give this to the world. And so the generous leadership challenge is a multi-week experience for businesses, families, um, schools, and individuals to really take on intentional action so that they can shift their mindset around leadership. And generous leadership is a paradigm, not a style. It's a way of seeing and understanding the world around you. I define it as be a generous leader is abundantly giving of yourself so that others may be better people who do better work. And you cannot manufacture that. It comes from who you are. And so that's why it's a paradigm. You have to see and you have to believe and from your belief comes your behavior. And generous leadership has three lenses. Um, okay. Seeing yourself as valuable versus worthless. Seeing people as people versus objects. And seeing your work as sacred versus ordinary. And so the GLC, the Generous Leadership Challenge, takes people through those three lenses to shift the way that they think and believe so that they can become generous leaders that people love to follow. Mm, that's a nice overview, by the way. Good job on that pitch right there. That was nice. I like it. That's pretty solid. Walk us through the business. How's the business model work? So is it, and who's, who's your client? Talk to us about that a little bit. Well, this is different. So the Generous Leadership Challenge is new mm. and it launched as a gift. So there's no business model to it right now. It is a gift to the world and it is funded by impact investors who write off the loans. It's not even a payback. It's just investing in a social good so that the people in America can start um, really investing in themselves and their families. So that's the route. That's, that's where we're starting. And now companies are starting to take it on with their employees and they're seeing a lot of results. Um, I have other school systems because right now Big Idea Project is only in Colorado. So we have other school systems across the nation who are really interested in using it. So I believe it will be the pipeline to future consulting and expansion for generous leadership in business and in education and in families. But that does not exist yet right now. It's just a free gift to the world. I see. So both, so Big Idea Project and Generous Leadership Challenge, they're both nonprofits. Is that, is that nope. accurate? No, I Generous not. Leadership Challenge is a for-profit that is funded by impact investors who would rather see social impact than return. Isn't that cool? Uh, that's like somewhere in between. Uh, I don't know what, the, I don't even know what the, how to describe. That's cool. All right. I like Isn't that it. neat. It's generosity. It's just inc an, an incredible vision. Is, right that now, the, is, is that the same tax write-off for them that a nonprofit donation would be? How do they do? No. How, uh, true generosity. True generosity. They don't even want to return. They don't even want to write off. Isn't that amazing? Well, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out my next question based on that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like, I should bring like, them on like, and you can like, interview like, them. <laughs> like, like what? Uh, uh, okay. Wow. Um, 
isn't generosity, I mean, it's like generosity can be so mind boggling. And I think it's one of the most powerful things that we have in humanity. Just, um, I just think it's so incredible. So inspiring when you see a true generous heart, which is the whole point of generous leadership is how does a leader give of themselves for the sake of another person? Oof, and wow, that's, that's the leadership that changes the world. And it's, we're flourishing, it's flourishing companies, it's flourishing families. And those people tap into potential that they never knew was even there to begin with. And that kind of leadership maximizes to a point that, I mean, it's just mind boggling. So generosity is really at the core, you know? I'm, I'm amazed that you put that together. I didn't even know such organizations existed, right? That where people would just give, give, give money without some sort of benefit back to them, right? Whether it's a tax write-off or marketing or something. I hate to be, I don't mean to sound cynical. I'm just like, okay, I've never heard of that before. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's great. I, I'm really uh, amazed that, that you put that together. Okay, so the funds are provided. It will make money, by the way. It will make money someday. That's just the genesis of GLC and the but gift they, right now. But these people that are giving the money to get it started, they don't have equity. They're not getting equity. Nope. The initial is just a uh, forgiven loan. You are the best cash raising person I've ever had on the podcast. <laughs> I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell all the startup entrepreneurs that they're trying to raise cash. I'm like, Oh, look, just call, just call Trisha Halsley. If she can talk people into, into, you know, donating money without any kind of benefit whatsoever, you need to talk to her. Wow. Congratulations. Um, you can, I don't guess you can tell me how much you've raised or what you're on target for or anything. Can you, can you share any details? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd rather not for them, okay, but okay, um, okay. it's, it's small compared to a startup. If you're starting up a tech company or something right now, it's mostly a marketing campaign, okay. um, getting the brand out, getting the word out. Um, so okay. that's where Lori comes in. Lori's team that you mentioned at the very beginning is right. our team. We have a team of about seven people through Avastet that are blasting this nationally nice. going on, you know, news shows and so forth oh. to tell Okay, so I was pushing you on the business model. Let's get back to what it actually does for you as a leader. So, all right. So, who's the who's your uh, quote client or customer? Is it is it Riderflex, my company, and our leadership team to come do this this multi week course? Is it families? Is it teachers? Is it all of the above? Walk us through that a little bit. Yeah, I think where the confusion lies is that it's not a course and it's not okay. a program. Okay, it's just a framework. So I love small to medium sized businesses. So perhaps okay. it's you guys and okay. you go on to the website and you, and you say, I need something to facilitate um, deeper growth within my team and something that allows for authentic conversation back and forth. Um, so you would go to the website and everything there is free right now, the whole framework. And it's just guides on how you would guide them through. We recommend a seven to eight week experience but business owners families anyone you can make it whatever you own or whatever you want it and that's the beauty of it is this open-handed generosity of i've been sitting on tools that are life-changing as we've been doing them in schools and now it's time that others have them and someday there will be a more robust program where they can have me come in and do some consulting and training and i have so many ideas around that but right now it's just truly a free gift and it's all on the website generousleadership.org um, even though it's an llc it is for profit um now i'm really confusing you um That's okay. so yeah you can just go there and 
and, and access it. I well, give you an example. Um, all right, all right. There's a company here in Denver. Um, they're called Footers Catering, by far the best catered. I don't know um, if you've heard of them or not, but they're amazing leaders nationally in the, in the catering space. And they have been using this with their team. And every week they come together and they talk about their goals around how are they taking care of themselves so that they see themselves as valuable. How are they serving one another and the people in their communities so that they're changing the way they see people, not objectifying, but humanizing, which is so, so important right now. And then how are they finding meaning and purpose in their work? And they come together and they talk about these things. And I'm hearing that they're getting amazing results. One guy has stopped smoking um, and the team's coming around each other and keeping one another accountable. But as you can imagine, as a business leader, you don't, that kind of topic isn't really accessible <laughs> in, a, in a typical meeting, right? Mm -hmm. right. And now yeah. they're talking about it and they're growing closer and they're better for it. Um, the team is stronger and therefore they can um, accomplish more than they were before. Is, is the material in the framework, is that the same stuff that is being taught in your husband's class? And is that where, is it all kind of the same or it, it, I guess it grew from there? I think that's what you said earlier. Go ahead. Yeah. So it was started under big idea project. Um, well with big idea, I've always owned the IP separately. Um, okay. Okay. and it is the same framework, those three lenses and the paradigm um, and how to move people through is always experiential and it's leaning into challenge. Those are all the same pieces, um, but Big Idea Project is like the program. So a school would have us come in and we have much more robust teaching and we train teachers, we put people on site, we measure students' growth. Um, the students go out and they solve problems in the community. And then as they're doing the hardest work that they've ever done in their lives, um, the teachers are turned into coaches, not content masters. Mm -hmm. And the coach the students through paradigm shifting thinking as they do this experience. And then the kids present um, their projects and their results for the chance to win a scholarship. So it's a very robust program, but our focus isn't the social good that comes at the end, though that's amazing. We love it. They're going out and they're helping homeless. They're doing campaigns for human trafficking. They're stopping bullying in their schools. A lot of mental health because suicide's so bad here in Colorado, teen suicide. So they do these amazing projects, but the goal is the growth of the person. I see. And that's this major paradigm shift in education. <laughs> now, right? now, if I put the Riderflex team on this, this framework, is this everybody on the team or is this just people in manager level positions? How Whatever would I do you want to do. Whatever you want to do. Okay. Yeah. And I want to, I want to, I want to hit you with a couple of things here. These might be tougher questions. Are okay. You ready? Okay. Yeah. My, so my first reaction, I want to tell you what, this is just a straight up honest reaction to what you Love just it. told me. Go for it. As I studied your website and I studied you and I pulled up all the little YouTube videos you guys made, which I think were great. Now that you just told me that you're not involved and you're not leading any classes and I don't get to talk to Trisha and you're not like leading us through something, I, I, I immediately lost some interest. I was like, oh, well, so you, Oh, I just have to do. I just have to do this myself. Uh, that's not as exciting for me. I don't know. That's because I because because you because your passion comes out in the videos that you made and when you're talking about it. And I was thinking, wow, listen to her talk. Like, okay, are we gonna go? Like, is she gonna like lead us through some stuff? I want to sign up for that. That's how I was feeling. And so well, that's, 
that's next phase. So I'm really happy to hear that actually. Okay. But this initial first phase really was in the context of COVID-19. And as families went into their homes and businesses were, you know, remote and in their homes, how could we use challenge to grow and become better instead of be fearful, right? So it was this opportunity to shift mindset and still is and this will continue i think it will be an annual thing that we will hit for the glc because it needs uh, to be accessible for everybody but yes ah, ah, <laughs> there ah. will be additional consulting <laughs> okay all right i see all right and, and eventually you're going to have to charge for this for this yes there yeah. you go that's where that's the business model almost the same strategy as the person who uh gets a following on facebook and instagram for I don't know, coffee cups they're making and pretty soon 5,000, 10,000 followers. And they're like, Oh my gosh, how do I order those? And then the person's like, Oh, and then they, okay. Okay. You, you're, you're getting it yeah. started. This is, this is your jump start phase of, of getting some attention, some attraction, some following. I mean, by the way, your YouTube channel has more hits on it already than mine does. And it's only like two months old or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even, I think it's like three or four weeks. We haven't, uh, we just watched those videos. <laughs> okay, okay, Lori Jones. Lori, if you're yeah, listening, right. <laughs> you're gonna, you gotta, Rider Flex needs a boost on that, by the way, because I just noticed Trisha's got more hits than us in like three weeks. <laughs> Great, oh, if, she, okay. if she's the one that's been leading that. Okay, yes, she is. Very good. Let me, let me, let's talk about real quick then leadership in general, just, just leadership. Um, you know, I've been, I've been in a leadership position my whole life. I, I ran a couple of $40 million companies as the CEO and COO and president. And so I've just been, I mean, I've just been leading people forever. What advice would you give the old timers? <laughs> I can't believe I'm referring to myself like that. The, the, the old timers like, like me who like, you know, cause there's going to be CE, former CEOs like me. They're, I'm just telling you, there will be, they're going to be like, I've been leading people for 35 years. I don't need to take There's no framework that's going to teach me anything. I don't know. What's your message to, to those guys, those guys and girls? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, you could keep going as you are and not get better. <laughs> um, uh, or you could get better. Um, it, I think it's important to look at the people around you. Take a really, really mm. honest, really honest look. And, are they flourishing? Are your people, do they love coming in and working every single day? Do your team meetings, are they just abundant with um, brainstorming and ideas and voices are being spoken? And then an even, I think, more telling indicator is um, do your people's families flourish? Because mm -hmm. we always bring work back home, right? Um, the impact of a leader is so far reaching, more than we realize. Leadership is powerful. And so if you take a really honest look, and I can guarantee you, I mean, unless they're living in the Garden of Eden or something, there's no like, there's no like, everybody is not fully flourishing, right? So how do we get better? And it's a lot of what Simon Sinek is talking about too, although we started before he did, uh, before he was really big, by the way, um, oh, really? oh. In, in, in schools and Columbine, but, um, which Columbine, after the tragedy, we were under that leadership of Frank DeAngelis and the motto of Columbine was um, give generously, receive graciously. And that was our genesis in that context. But anyway, it's this concept of how do you win the hearts of the people who follow you? Because 
they might follow you because of your competence. Um, you're a real competent leader. You have the skills. You can organize and get things done and help them reach, go from point A to point B, which is essentially leadership. How do you move people from A to B? Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can move them from A to B and they have given you their full heart and loyalty and they are in it, um, they will give extra time. They will give extra energy and effort. Their families will flourish and be behind them. Like, how can we help you do this? Because you are called to this. You find purpose in this. So it's a matter of being okay to being excellent, like that level five kind of leaders. So, um, that's you know, that's a okay. great answer. That's a, that's, a gr- that's a great answer. By the way, I knew I was going to ask you that before the podcast. I kind of prepped that question. Oh. And, and I, that's a great answer. You answered it very well. I was going to, uh, I was saying to myself, I just know you get into bad habits. If you, if you've been a leader for a long time, you get into this routine and these certain habits and certain ways of doing things and you don't step back or you don't, you don't, you don't pull back and kind of look in the mirror and go, Oh, wow. That's, that's how I'm leading meetings. I didn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) so it is it is good to call time out i think and and look at some things and if that if that means going through generous leadership challenge and you know it it will jog your memory maybe it won't be anything new maybe it'll just be like oh yeah well i haven't done that in a while i need that you know i need to do that more so it's that's good very good how about how about first time leaders how about somebody that uh is listening to this episode and they've uh, they've they've always done a great job at, at their task, and all of a sudden they're a manager for the first time, and they got eight people that report to them. And and by the way, and by the way, they were just promoted. It was like here you go, here's your here's your team, right. and nobody and nobody, which is how it happens most of the time, right? right? You get stuck into a manager level position. You're like here you go, manage these eight people. We're not going to train you on how to manage people at all, but here you go. I wonder, I'd love to get in a conversation with you about that too someday about how (laughs) managers become managers because there is sometimes it's in, you want the leader. Some people have it in them and they don't have to spend 10, 20, 30 years working their way up. And then you, you, you promote that one who's been there for 20 years to management, but it's not in them. It's not their skill set. It's not who they're supposed to be. So anyway, um, what would I say to these first time managers? Um, First time managers, uh, well, managing is different than leading. So they're going to have to go learn up on management management skills, right? Because that's that's a whole nother thing. Leadership is earning the hearts and moving people from A to B, getting them from one point to the next and setting that vision and setting that path. And leadership must be authentic. Uh, People are really good at detecting BS. And so if that first time manager who's also in a leadership role, um, tries to pretend they're, they are somebody that they're not yet. The people will smell you out and, um, they will, they will call you out and either you'll see the crumbling of your team or, um, you know, some, some, some people have seen kind of anarchy, you know, like it kind of undoes behind them. Somebody's poison in the well a little bit because they don't believe in you. Right. And so I would say do the hard work and it starts with, um, really a lot of self-awareness and reflection of who are you right now? What are your weaknesses? What are your strengths? How are you showing up? And then having the courage, being brave to just say, this is who I am and I'm not necessarily where I want to be yet, but where I want to be, I want all of us to be. So let's get there together. We're going to form together. And, um, 
And so it starts with self-awareness and the generous leadership challenge and generous leadership paradigm is just fundamentally about um, using challenging experience to shift who you are, a deep level change, and then using reflection as well. And the power of reflection and every leader who's stuck in a rut generally cuts reflection for the first, that's the first thing they don't have time for, you know? And it's actually a very, very powerful tool and increases productivity if we can just do 15, 20 minutes at the end of every day in reflection and productivity studies have said go way up. So it just totally. gives this framework for that deeper level change and self-awareness and togetherness and ability to practice authenticity and just be who you are. I can give you an example. Um, yesterday, I was actually in my team meeting and we were celebrating the anniversary of two of the people on our, my team. And um, I didn't want to do business as normal. I just said, hey, let's take out a piece of paper because it's been a difficult year for everybody. So let's take out a piece of paper and I want you to map out some of the milestones and the growth that you experienced this year. And then, and then you're gonna share it and you're gonna be in the hot seat. <laughs> so you're in the hot seat, you share all of this growth and all this, and then we're gonna speak into you what we see. And we're going to see how you grew. We're going to also tell you who we see you to be that we don't think you've tapped into yet. And it's this idea of calling out. And there were tears. And I can tell you that one, actually all of them, they said, but one guy, he was like, I've never been in a place, a workplace where the leader creates the space to just be better. Nice. And he said, you have created nice. a refining fire. He said, this is a refining fire and we're better for it. Ooh, was that so, his line? Was that his line? Refining yes. fire? Yes. I like that. That's pretty good. It's the power <laughs> of generous leadership. I, yeah. I, I like that. Very good. Thank you for sharing all that. You know, one of the, I, I was thinking of a line you said, uh, you know, it's just not in every, it's not in everybody, right? To be a leader. Uh, I had a mentor tell me a long time ago uh, that your dad, your dad would love this line. You know, he said, Hey Steve, he's like, listen, great soldiers don't necessarily make great lieutenants. You know what I mean? And, uh, and so on that note, just real quickly, how, how, how can people better identify that? I think, I think a lot of times superiors make mistakes. They end up promoting great soldiers into the lieutenant role just because they, they shot the gun well, or they, they, they worked the battlefield well, and now all of a sudden they have to lead troops, right? Using that, using that analogy. How do superiors make better decisions there? Um, any, any quick advice there? It's kind of, it's a big, big question, but yeah, I've got one, okay. um, two pieces actually. One is, uh, your first instinct is going to be how productive and effective are they, but do not do that before you look at EQ. Their emotional intelligence is actually first and foremost, the most important thing. Because mm -hmm. if they cannot connect with other people, they will not lead other people. <laughs> I totally agree. Um, fact, and that's really hard to train. So it, 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 really, it, it really is. Yeah, it really is. The second piece of advice I would say, and this is going more towards the framework. Um, a lot of people can pretend that they're confident and that they're, and this is a true confidence, not an arrogant confidence. Just, I know who I am and I love you and I want you to come with me um, versus someone who's just talking the talk. And I always listen to the I am statements. So um, that's identity statements and they don't know it. So oh, it's like the, I'm not smart enough for this or I'm, um, 
you know, I'm a bad mom or it's sometimes it's, I'm not enough. I don't have enough time. I don't, it's a lot of actually Brene Brown stuff too, of the not enough. And so are you bringing somebody into the role who is scarcity minded and has a distorted sense of their identity? Cause that's going to trickle down to the rest of the team. How many times did I say I am so far in this interview? Do you know? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you could have really great I am statements, you know? Um, oh, I probably said it a few times. Um, <laughs> let me, uh, so I'm looking at, okay, I have like eight minutes here before wrap up. Let me ask you, I could, by the way, we could, we could talk for another hour. We could just keep going. I'm running out of time already. Um, so before I forget, before I ask you my wrap up questions, let me just make sure everybody knows. Generous, generousleadership.org generousleadership.org, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they can also connect with you on LinkedIn, I guess, right? Trisha mm -hmm. Holt on LinkedIn. Um, anything else, any other websites or any other contact information we need to share here for the listeners today? There's a webpage on generousleadership.org that's about the founder. It says how you can connect with me as well. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Very good. All right. So a couple of wrap up questions. If you could, Lori probably told you I was going to ask these, right? So you, you no, I have no oh, she, idea what you're going to say. Oh, she, oh, she didn't? Okay. If you could call the young lady coming out of Pepperdine, like right before you graduated, two weeks before you graduated, and you could tell her anything today, if you could call her right now and tell her something, what would you tell her? Mm -hmm. I know exactly what this would be. Okay. Um, Everyone has their thing, right? And so for me, my Achilles growing up was this thought of I'm alone. I'm really? alone. Really? Mm -hmm. um, and I was always the misunderstood one. I was the leader, but felt alone and misunderstood. Interesting. And so I would tell her, you're not alone. You're not alone. Um, in fact, I have a gift of gathering people. And in the, in the, gift of gathering, I still uh, mindset wise thought I was alone and I was surrounded by hundreds of people. And so it's the power of mindset again, just you're not alone. Interesting that you mentioned that this, this is, this goes deeper, right? We could talk more about your parents and how you grew up and affection and all these things. I mean, that's a deeper, I'll bet you your two sons get 10 times more affection than you got growing up. Hugs, kisses, whatever. Is that accurate? Yeah, my, my, my son is so addicted to hugs. It's actually a little bit overbearing. <laughs> he, gets, he gets and gives them all the time, but yeah. That's pretty good. Um, okay, last question. If you could put your core purpose in life into a sentence, and I pushed you to step away from the boys and your husband, and let's just set that aside, kind of, let's just assume that's a, that, that is your yes. core purpose. So aside from family, how would you describe your core purpose in life professionally? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So my purpose is to help people become who they already are. And they just don't know it, right? Mm -hmm. They just don't know it. Mm -hmm. Are there a lot of leaders out there that just, they just never had a chance. They never, they never stepped into it. Potential leaders, a bunch of them and they're, and they're miserable. What do you think? They're miserable. Because, um, yeah. You know, are there, are there people out there that are, they're miserable in their current role because deep down they wanted to be a leader or they could have been a leader, but they just never were given the opportunity or they never stepped into it? 
I think so. That's the I am statements of I'm not enough. Um, mm. Yeah, I think, well, to some extent, um, some degree, each of us is a leader. I lead my kids, you know, everyone right. leads their family. They might lead their neighbors in a certain way that we all have influence. But when it comes to the leaders who are meant to move large amounts of people from one point to another point in a very inspiring way that creates change. Um, I know for me, I was an incredibly shy, 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 shy kid. And I'm an, I was an unlikely leader and, um, I'd fall into positions. Um, didn't know why I was there. Now I know it's because people trusted me. Um, and they saw something in me, mm-hmm. but it, what, if it wasn't for the coach and it wasn't for the, you know, the people in my life who, who saw that and called that out, I wouldn't be where I am today. So it speaks to the power again of leaders, because if there are hidden leaders, leaders make leaders. So where was their leader in calling them out and placing them where you called to, to find, equip and place leaders. Um, that's a leader's role. Mm, I couldn't agree more. So for example, that, that coach you had, that swim coach you had in high school was a powerful influence on your life. And if, if he hadn't helped mentor you, right, maybe, maybe things would have been different. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. But it was, uh, he certainly sped up my ability to see myself and, um, the way that I viewed leadership. Um, he told me that I'm here to make you a better person first and a better swimmer second. And it's that concept of being and then doing. And of course I was good at swimming and he wanted me to do well and to win, but I did even better for him than any other coach because he focused on that order of things. I was safe with him. I felt appreciated and congratulated. I I was pulled in, you know, to almost a fatherly at that point um, figure. Um, And so I think people are longing just to be seen and to called out, be called out. And in a safe place, that's the, my team saying, this is a safe space that you've created where we can be who we really are um, and, and find that, you know? I think it's important for people to hear you and understand that, you know, we do all make an impact on people. I think, I think it's easy to move through life and move through your daily activities and chores because you're kind of everybody's everybody's kind of knocking off their list for the day, right? Whatever that is, um, and you forget that you're you're actually having a major impact on people's lives as you yes. touch them, as you speak with them, the things you do for them. You're having a major impact on people, and I think it's important to remember that. And you've really you've you spoke to that several times during the podcast. Yes, um, Trisha, thank you so much for being on the Rider Flex podcast and sharing your story and, and all the advice uh, and wisdom. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This was a fun conversation. Well done. <laughs> the Rider Flex podcast features entrepreneurs, business executives, and the stories behind how they got there, as well as daily tips on career advice and job interviews. Our show can be heard just about anywhere these days, but you can visit riderflex.com and click on the podcast page to hear all the previous episodes and learn more about the recruiting and consulting services we provide. Contact us at the email address info at riderflex.com or 888-964-5876. Thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoy our show, 
please be sure to subscribe to our channel and like the episodes.